Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's message. Be sure to tune in to whatever Bethesda Church is doing on our website, BethesdaChurch.tv, or check us out on Instagram or Facebook. Now, let's jump into today's message. How's everybody doing tonight? Are you glad to be in God's house? Man, I am glad that you're here. I do have a word for you if I can unlock my iPad. Um, It is good to be here on first Wednesday, always good to be here on a first Wednesday. Um, I'm going to kind of work my way into the message. I don't really have an opening text, so it's going to be a little bit different. Um, Don't get nervous because there's a lot of Bible tonight. Um, but I'm not going to start there. Um, I want to. I want to kind of build into this, and so I want to talk to you about the subject of gatekeepers. Everybody say gatekeepers. All right, say it one more time. Gatekeepers. One of the things that um, we have to learn the importance of is, as the body of Christ, as the people of God, is entering into a place of rest. Now, let me clarify that statement. Um, It's not what you might think. I'm not saying that anybody needs a nap tonight. Uh, It's not that kind of rest that that I'm suggesting. Um, But in the New Testament, there is a strong connection between the New Testament land of promises and and that being symbolic of, of entering into the place of rest. That in the Old Testament, they entered into this place of promise, but in the New Testament, it was a place of rest. Now, the importance is, is that it's in the place of rest, according to the writer of Hebrews, that our faith actually works for us. And so this, this is pivotal to, to, to understand because our faith does not work when we are stressed out burned out and filled with anxiety and fear. But our faith actually works when our spirit is at rest. Now that's according to Hebrews chapter number three. The Bible says there that the place of rest is the place where our faith operates. But the Bible tells us that the children of Israel went astray in their hearts and because they went astray in their hearts that the result of that is that they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. So the point being is that internal realities become external realities. That what's happening in here affects what's going on out here. Um, and, and so what that means is, is that peace in here, everybody put your hand over your chest, peace in here translates to peace out here. That, that not only does peace in here translate to peace out here, we could take that a step further. Turmoil in here translates to turmoil out here. They were led astray in their hearts, and because of that, they wandered for 40 years aimlessly. And so internal realities, what's in here, becomes external realities, And so Jesus demonstrated what I'm talking about. Do you all remember when the disciples were going on the boat to the other side and the storm came and they all thought we're going to die? And the Bible says that Jesus was asleep in the stern of the boat. So he's sleeping in a storm that they are freaking out over. And the point is, is that Jesus lived consistently this is, this is so good. You got to get this. He lived consistently 
within the kingdom of God. There are no storms in the kingdom. Because he had peace in here, he was able to release peace out here. A lot of times we're trying to bring peace and joy and all of these things to external things, but if you don't have it here, baby, you'll never have it here. Internal realities create external realities. And peace, peace is not the absence of noise. Peace is not the absence of things or the absence of conflict or the absence of three kids in your house. Peace is not the absence of things, but rather peace is the presence of Christ. That if I have the presence of Jesus, I can walk into a room filled with strife and the strife not get in me, but what's in me starts translating to what's in that room. That's, that's what God wants to happen. Now, I told you I'm going to kind of preach into it. I'm going to get to where we're going in just a few minutes. But 3 John 2 says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Now, here's the thing we got to be careful about because you can learn all the spiritual lingo. Like you've got all the spiritual language, the spiritual jargon. You can speak church ease. You can, you can have all the right words down and still live in defeat. So it's not enough just to have uh, the ability to say all the right things because you can say all the right things and your heart still be a million miles away from God. I've seen it too many times. Jesus said, people will worship me with their mouth, but their hearts are far from me. And, and so uh, it's not enough to have cliches memorized. Uh, I think this surface Christianity has hurt all of us. Because we've learned the lingo, we've learned what to say, and we say the right things. But if it's not in here, it will not translate out here. Internal realities becoming external realities. And, and I, let me say it like this. To the degree that the kingdom of God is expressed in you will also be the degree that the kingdom of God is expressed through you. This is what I prayed for you this afternoon. That the kingdom of God would be expressed in you on a high level so that it could be expressed through you on a high level. Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or, or ask or think according to the power that works in us. How many of you understand? We can only give what we have received. Jesus said, freely you have received. Freely give. I am concerned that in the body of Christ, oftentimes we are trying to give something we don't have. We're trying to give something that we do not fully comprehend or have not fully experienced ourselves. We have to have something in here in order to release something out there. We live from the inside out. And so when we live with, with our lives all mixed up, and we got fear, anxiety, depression, bitterness, turmoil, all of that stuff in us, then our world out here starts mirroring what's in us. We create our own realities. 
And a lot of times the reason we have nothing but turmoil out here is because we have nothing but turmoil in here. But if the kingdom of God could ever be expressed in you, it'll start being expressed through you. Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all diligence for out of, it, out of it spring the issues of life. And that verse is key to transformation. The Holy Spirit is a river. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would flow up out of your belly, not like a lake, but like a river. In other words, there is a flow to the Holy Spirit. He's not, he's not referred to as a lake, but a river. In other words, he's not with us just to comfort us, but he's actually with us to flow through us. All right? The Holy Spirit wants to flow. Hit your neighbor and say he wants to flow through you. Y'all better get excited or we're going to be here a long time. I'm going to preach till we get it. In Acts chapter 3, we, we learn about a man who was lame. And you don't have to turn there. I'm not going to read it right now. But he's lame, and he's laying at the gate called Beautiful. And the Bible says, Peter and James came walking by. And I want you to get this. They did not have money, and they did not have a prophecy for the man. But they did have, they did have something that was being expressed in them and something that was being expressed through them. They didn't have a gospel track. They didn't have a word. They didn't have a pamphlet. They didn't have anything. But what they did have was the life of God flowing through them to such a degree that it flowed out of them into the life of a man who was lame. And at that moment, can you think, imagine with me, a man lame all his life and then all of a sudden because the kingdom's being expressed in you, it's now being expressed through you. And a man who's been lame his whole life gets up and starts walking because to the degree that the kingdom is expressed in you is the degree that the kingdom will be expressed through you. I came locked and loaded and some of y'all not ready for this. I'm going to preach it again on Sunday. The spirit of, of the resurrected Christ we know had the ability to flow in us and through us and to the people all around us. How many of you understand that it is a, it is a privilege to carry the glory of God? that we are carriers of God's presence, carriers of his glory. And God will give us the measure of his presence that we jealously guard. I like to say it like this, West Virginia, we can grab this. You can have as much of God as you want. As a matter of fact, right now you have as much of God as you wanted. You say, well, I'm just not where I need to be with God. It's because that's what you wanted. That's the level you wanted. We're all walking in the level we want. God is not greedy when it comes to his presence, but he's not going to entrust his presence to people that don't care if they have it or not. His presence is what separated an entire nation. They had no military, no combat, no, no nothing. But nations were scared of them because of one thing. The presence of God was on them. So the presence of God is what makes the difference. And it's a privilege to carry the presence of God. When you are full of the Spirit of God, now you have something you can give away. But you first got to get full. And again, I think sometimes we're trying to give something that we don't have. 
Jesus said, freely you have received, now freely give. But I cannot give what I don't have. I, if I come to church and, and to preach, but I am all in turmoil on the inside, and I don't have peace on the inside, and I'm frustrated on the inside, how many of you understand that I can't, I can't have breakthrough coming to you if I'm in that kind of condition? To the degree that the kingdom is expressed in me is the degree in which the kingdom can be expressed through me. So the sad thing is, is that the fullness of the Spirit of God in many instances has been reduced to a doctrine. It's been reduced to tongues. But I want to say that the fullness of God is more than tongues and it's more than a doctrine. We, we, are, we are full and overflowing with God's presence tonight or we're not. Now, how do we measure fullness? That's a great question. To be full of the presence of God. You can see my little, look how beautiful my illustration is. You can see, I, I took a long time thinking about this. Check this out. All right, let's fill this cup up. We want it to be full. Is that cup full? All right. Is it full? No. Wow. Would we call that full? Would y'all call that flow or full? Not, not full. You know why? Because fullness is measured by overflow. Fullness is measured by overflow. And the secret to releasing the kingdom of God around us is being full of the kingdom of God, full of the presence of God. And I think a lot of times the reason we can't have the presence of God manifesting around us to other people is because we're not full ourselves. We're full of a lot of things. Y'all want me to name a couple? Now I'm going to be positive tonight. Listen, today's outpouring is the result of yesterday's prayer. If, if we want continued outpouring, then we have to be willing, we have to be willing, let's, let's pour some of this back, just, we got to be willing, we say we want to move of God, we got to be willing to sow into that. Some people, it's all words, we need a move of God, we need a move of God, oh pastor, we just have a move of God, have you prayed lately? Well, no, I finished three series on Netflix, but... You, you've got to sow into the move of God. Like, where is your prayer life? Where is your faith? Where, where is your fasting life? Where is your marriage? I've got to sow into the move of God. I can't just walk around saying, we need a move of God. I've got to sow into, move, into the move of God. But here's the problem. Some people eat more than they plant. over your head we want to experience but we're not planting anything into it the secret to releasing the kingdom of God and the Holy Spirit in the in the world around us the answer is simple we have to be full of the presence of God now let me say this and then I'll move on to gates because you're like where's the gatekeeper stuff 
I told you I'm going to work my way there. But, but I want you to get this. The fire always falls in Scripture on sacrifice. And if the fire only falls on sacrifice, are you really a candidate? Are you really a candidate for the presence of God, a candidate for the fire to fall? I can be honest. There have been seasons when I was not a candidate. The sacrifice was not there. But the fire always fell on the altar when there was a sacrifice in place. Gates. Everybody say gates. Gates are a big deal within the Word of God. In the Old Testament, gates... It was the place where power was transferred. It was, it was the place where the elders would sit and they would make judgments on things. Uh, gates were also a place of authority. So anytime you see gates, there's significance to the word gates. In Matthew 16, Jesus said, I'm building my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus was talking about the highest echelon of satanic attack that it would not prevail against the church that he was building. The church is called by God to push back the gates of hell. We're called to do that. Now, in, in Scripture, we see this uh, principle, and I don't know if I've got time. Do I have time to read a text to you? In Genesis chapter 28, look at this. Starting in verse 10, it says, Jacob left, for, or left Beersheba and set out for Haran. And he reached a certain place, and he stopped for the night because the sun had set. And taking some of the stones there, he put it under his head, and he lay down to sleep. And he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth, with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God, this is so cool, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, this is so good, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Gates refer to authority. They are also a transitional place. We move from one realm to another through a gate. Did you know that the house of God is the gate in which heaven comes into the earth? That's what we get from this. The house of God is called the gate of heaven. In other words, the house of God, right now, Bethesda Church, this house has an open heaven over it. You, you got to grab this. We also understand that the house of God, it's not only the gate of heaven, but there is angelic activity. That there are angels ascending and descending over this place, completing assignments. The Bible says that the ladder sat on the earth and it reached into the heavens. In other words, there are angels assigned specifically to this place. Pastor Jay, there are angels assigned specifically to where you're going. Specifically. The house of God is the gate of heaven. 
They are receiving assignments and they are also carrying those assignments out. And what makes this interesting is that we find this reference of the house of God and there's not a building. It's just a man laying on a rock and this is the house of God, the gate of heaven. No curtain rods. A guy laying on a rock and using the rock as a pillow and God shows up and says, this is my house and this is the gate of heaven. The point being is that the house of God and, and this gate of heaven, that there is a transitional uh, place that connect the two worlds. That, that God wants his kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, to impact the earth, but the mechanism through which that happens is called the church. The house of God. That, I'm, that, that the church is not the kingdom by itself, but the church is the agent of the kingdom. That we are here to demonstrate God's rule and reign. Jesus, check this out, he became the transitional place. Let me say it another way. He became the ladder on which angels ascend and descend. He became the bridge that connected the two worlds. Are y'all getting this? Um, he, he has become the house of God. When you, when you look at this, and there's a text in John chapter 1, I won't read it all, but it's when Jesus is calling Philip and he's calling Nathaniel and he's getting his team together and, and Nathaniel was blown away because Jesus recognized him sitting under a fig tree even though they had never met. And Nathaniel's like, well, you already know me. That's crazy. How's that possible? Jesus like, you ain't seen nothing yet. He's like, you're going to see a lot more than that. I know that's impressive, but I got a lot more bags, or a lot more tricks in the bag. But at the end of the text in John 1, in verse 51, he said, let's, let's look at 50 first. Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Jesus was saying, I am Jacob's ladder. I am the connection between heaven. Anybody thankful that Jesus has opened up a way for heaven to come into the earth? It's why he said, when you pray, pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why do we have a right to pray that? Because he is Jacob's ladder. Angels are ascending and descending because Jesus opened up a space for us to connect with heaven. The normal Christian life is about abiding in Christ to the degree that the kingdom of heaven can be expressed through us. Abiding in Christ keeps the move of God clean. I want to say that again. Abiding in Christ keeps the move of God clean. Sometimes the move of God gets contaminated because people are not abiding in Christ. They're not abiding in him, and it contaminates. When we become introspective, legalistic, harsh, religious, everything around us starts to mold. It's no longer a fresh outpouring. But as, as long as we abide in Christ, the move of God remains clean. Do you remember um, 
Abraham in the Old Testament, do you remember Lot that traveled with him? A lot of people look at Lot in the scripture as, as if he was an evil God, an evil guy, but he was not an evil guy. The Bible says he was a righteous man, but the problem was is that Lot allowed his environment to contaminate what was in him. The Bible calls him a righteous man, but he allowed the environment to contaminate what God had placed on the inside of him. He was oppressed by the sensual conduct of the misguided people around him. See, when you don't know how to affect the world around you, it will start affecting you. It's kind of like the garden hose. I know, I'm all over the water thing tonight. Um, The garden hose. How do you keep the mud from getting inside the garden hose? There's only one way to keep the mud out of the garden hose you got to keep the water running. You know why we get mud and why we get contaminated? is because we turn the move of God off when we want to. You can put a garden hose in a sewer, and as long as the water's still running, the sewer will never get in it. In other words, man, I may get in trouble tonight. There is no off button to this. I think sometimes we want to turn Jesus off. We want to turn the kingdom off. We want to turn our faith off and just set it to the side so that we can, you know, do our own thing. And then we want, when we're ready, come back and we turn it on. No, but between the time you turned it off and back on, you've become contaminated. The water's got to continually flow. So we know Jesus is the Son of God, the Word that became flesh. He's Jacob's ladder in Genesis 28. All that is a type and shadow of who Jesus is. He's now the transition place, and he was able to release heaven into the earth. He was the original, if you will, the OG, okay, the original house of God. God tabernacled with us. The word became flesh and dwelled among us. But now you and I make up the house of God. Now I'm going to get on some religious people real quick. Can I do that? Nope, not allowed. I think sometimes we pray prayers that are not accurate. And I believe that God wants to answer prayers and he wants to respond to your prayers. But have you ever, you've probably been one of these that done this where you pray and you say, God, none of me, all of you. Now, how many know it sounds spiritual? But he had none of you before you were made, and he didn't like it. God made a wise, I'm going to help you. God made a wise choice in creating you. That was a wise decision. Some people say, pray prayers like, God, just kill me. Just kill me, God. God created you. Why does he want to kill you? Are are you following? Or, Or we often use the prayer John the Baptist, the scripture of John the Baptist. John prayed. He said, I must decrease so that he can increase. And and we 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 go around saying, I just gotta decrease so God can increase. 
And I get the gist of it. The motive is good. But have you ever thought about the context of why John was saying, I must decrease so that Jesus can increase? Do you know why? It's because John was the forerunner. And he had accomplished his purpose. He was actually getting ready to pass the baton to Jesus. So he's saying, I've done my, I, I baptized people unto repentance. I did my calling, but there's one coming that's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. I've got a decrease and he's got to increase. So I am passing the baton to Jesus. I'm going to decrease and get out of the way. It's not my turn now. It's his turn. But watch this. Jesus is now passing the baton to you. Jesus said, I am the light of the world, but then he said, now you are the light of the world. He said, I, I am God tabernacled with you. I am the house of God, but now you are the house of God. So it's not just me praying, God, I've got to decrease so that you can increase. It's more about praying all of him covering all of me. That's what it's about. In, in Psalm chapter 24, 7 through 10, it says, lift up your heads, O you gates. Everybody say gates. Hit your neighbor and say, you're a gate. Hit another neighbor, tell them they're a gate. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates, lift up you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the king of glory. Gates are also, it, it signifies, we've already clarified, it, it speaks to authority. And so we can say that gates are people with authority. Now, I have authority, but my authority is not tied to me as an individual. My authority has to be tied to the fact that I'm a member of the body. All right? Our authority is connected to the body of Christ. In the book of Revelation, it doesn't say, hear what the Spirit says to an individual. It says, hear what the Spirit says to the church. All right? So the authority has got to be connected to the body. Um, an a great example, a cop um, has all the training he needs to be a cop, but until he's been appointed by the state or the city, he's not a cop. And I think there are a lot of people who are illegitimate, running around thinking they got authority in the kingdom, but they're not even connected to a house. Oh, my God. They... <laughs> They're not even connected. There's been so many people that through the years, there, there have been a lot more than just Pastor Jay going out to pastor a church. There would have been others, but they could not stay connected. And I don't say that out of anger. Like, it's sad. Like, I know there was a major call on them, but because they could never submit to a house and stay connected, they had all this gifting and all this anointing, but God won't trust them. So he never... He never opens the door for them, and they're still doing today what they were 10 years ago. And, and I'm not mad about it. It breaks my heart. 
We ought to be thankful that God has connected us. Amen? We should be thankful for that. Um, I think a lot of people are, they're, they're not connected to the body. They quote scriptures, they say all the right things, but they're not right, rightly connected to the body, and therefore they lack authority. And God is called the, the one who lifts our heads. Look at John four thirty five. This is going to be so good. He says, do you not say, there are still four months, and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. Now, I read that scripture to you, not only because it's harvest time, I read it to you because what you see is what you release. What you see, if you can't see it, you'll never release it. And I'm not, I'm not just talking about in the natural. I'm talking about what, what do you see in the spiritual? What is it that you can see in your imagination, in your heart? Because what you behold determines what's going to flow through you and out of you. And Christians get so caught up many times in bad news and what's going on in the world. There's some Christian I talk to and all they can talk about is COVID numbers and this and that, and it's all negative. And, and you know what happens? When that's what we behold, that's what we release. And so they reproduce it in their teaching. They reproduce it in their worship. They reproduce it in their children. Whatever you view is what flows through you. And so I've got to behold him if I want him to be expressed not only in me, but I want him to be expressed through me. My eyes have to be on him. Listen, if, if I focus inward, everybody say inward. If I focus inward, and I have, my temptation is to be inward. Like I'm, I'm very analytical, can get inside myself. If I focus inward, I become depressed. And I'm not saying I become depressed. I'm saying anybody that focuses inward all the time will become depressed. Anybody who focuses outward all the time will, will become distressed. So if I'm inward, I'm depressed. If I'm outward, I'm distressed. But if I can focus upward, I'll get refreshed. So sometimes I got to get my eyes off me. I got to get my eyes off those around me. And I got to get a fresh view of him. That's when my refreshing comes. That's when the anointing will start flowing in and through your life. Jesus said, look up into the fields. It's ready to harvest. What you look at determines so much of your reality. What is it that you're focused on? Isaiah 60 verse 1 says, arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. So many people are waiting on their light to come, so that they can rise. But there's a command here in Isaiah and, and that says that we are to arise and shine because the light has already come. Some people are waiting on one more thing to happen before they arise and shine. One more altar call, one more prophecy, one more in, word of encouragement, one more church service where I can get motivated. You should come in here motivated. You should come in here encouraged. 
Like you shouldn't need one more thing for you to walk in destiny. He said, arise and shine. Your light has already come. We're sitting around waiting on something else to happen, and God is saying, now is your time. Now is your season. Rise and shine. Declare the goodness of God. Declare the glory of God, and be what I've called you to be. Don't wait on another prophecy, another song, another sermon. Be who God has called you to be. Come on, hit somebody upside the head and say, just do it. Just do it. Just do it. God says, arise and shine. The second verse of that says, for behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. I'm going to say this in one more different kind of way. You reproduce what you see. So if all I see is negativity and all I can see is the bad and all I can see is what's wrong, then that's what I reproduce. But I have to understand that I am a gate and God wants me to lift my head, get a fresh vision of who he is, allow him to be expressed in me so that he can be expressed through me. I believe that we will have stories of, of people in this place connected to this house where healings and miracles and all that stuff is not just going to be limited to the confines of the church. I believe that some people are going to get so full of God and live in such an overflow that they're going to walk in Walmart and leak out and somebody get healed. You're going to think this is a business transaction, but while you're having the business transaction... God's, you're going to overflow and all of a sudden start prophesying to somebody that don't even know Jesus and their heart's going to turn and get saved. I'm saying to the degree that the kingdom is expressed in you is the degree that the kingdom will be expressed through you. Do y'all receive this? I got a little bit more. Can y'all handle it? All right. Making sure. I know it's a school night now. Who knew? And that, listen, that doesn't matter if you're a teacher, a nurse, a business owner, come on, start leaking everywhere you go. Let that overflow rest in your life. Let it, let it touch other people. I want to tell you, get up, stand up, rise up, get a revelation of what God has called you to do and walk in that. See, we, we, we should be hungering for true biblical authority. And this is not about a title. Because listen to me, titles are overrated. Uh, you know, to me, the thing we need to understand is that it doesn't really matter if our name is known in the earth or not, as long as our name is known in both heaven and hell. If our name is known in heaven and hell knows our name, now we're making some progress. All the other titles, I don't care what, what bishop, apostle, you can you, any time. Like, I'd rather my name, I'd rather the devil know my name then you know my name. Why? Because that means we're making an impact. It means that we're making a difference. And so you're a gate, I'm a gate. And I'm going to show you this in Acts chapter 2, and I'm going to try to close with this. Worship team, you can get in place. I'm going to wind this thing down. In Acts chapter 2, um, we all know Acts chapter 2, right? The result of Acts chapter 2 um, was completely connected to the fact that Jesus um, told them, I want you to go and I want you to wait. You're going to be filled with power from on high. 
and the Holy Spirit visited them in such a powerful way that it, it literally transformed their lives and turned the world upside down. Um, the Bible tells us that uh, 500 people saw Jesus after he was raised from the dead, um, but only 120 people stayed around for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says they spent 10 days in prayer, 10 days soaking in the presence of God, and in Acts chapter 2, verses 2 through 4, it says, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. All right, I read that to you because I want you to see that's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to focus on the outpouring, but I want to focus on for a minute how did they sustain that level? Because when you, when you read the book of Acts, they not only had that experience, but by the end of Acts chapter 2, did you know two years have passed? Two years. And they are still, like, they walking by people and shadows are healing them. Two years. I mean, they, this wasn't like we had a good first Wednesday. This is, we are walking breathing testimonies of the glory of God that everywhere we go God's presence is being made known and Acts 2.42 shows us how they did it watch this this is how they kept the momentum everybody say momentum see it's not enough to have a revival if we're not going to ha- carry the momentum like so many revivals end disastrously And it's because people don't know how to take the momentum into the next week, into the next year, into the next decade. But in Acts 2.42, it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. All right? So they kept the word of, the word of God remained central. So we didn't mix, they didn't mix New Age and Buddha and a little bit of this and a little bit of that. The word of God was the word of God. How many know the word of God is still infallible? It is still the word of God, literally. And so they, they, they held fast the apostles' doctrine. Watch this. And fellowship in the breaking of bread. We see, we see small groups there. We see communion there. We see prayers there. They had all these things going on that was sustaining the move of God so that the fire would not burn out. In verse 46, it says, So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, And breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. This is how they sustained the move of God. It wasn't just what happened corporately. Yes, this was very important to what was happening. But it was also important about were they connecting outside of the temple? Were they breaking bread outside of the temple? Were they praying prayers outside of the church? They were sustaining a move of God because it wasn't a Sunday, first Wednesday kind of thing. It was a daily thing. So that leads to like Acts 3, and we talked about it earlier, the lame man. They walked by him, and they just leaked out on him, and he got healed. In Acts chapter 4, the Bible tells us that Peter and John, they got arrested. Now watch this. They got arrested for preaching Jesus with boldness. 
You know what happens when a real move of God shows up? There's a boldness that's not manufactured. It's not like you got to pump yourself. There's just a boldness. In Acts 4.13, it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, I love this, they perceived they're uneducated and they're untrained, yet they marveled. And they realized, here's why they marveled. Those jokers are uneducated and untrained, but they've been with Jesus. Can the world tell you've been with Jesus? See, God, what God did there is he made them strong where they were weak, untrained, uneducated, but everybody's taking notice because they had been with Jesus. You know why God does that? Because he loves when people marvel and scratch their head when they look at you. He loves to do things so big in your life that it causes people to marvel. Verses 29 and 30, it says, Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants, watch this, that with all, what? Boldness, they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. John and Peter are praying for, for boldness. What were they recognized for already having? It's not a trick question boldness what caused them persecution boldness what is he praying for boldness we don't have to level off we can become more bold in this but our boldness is connected to our time with Jesus 31st verse it says when they had prayed the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness they moved from boldness to extreme boldness boldness got him arrested boldness got him persecuted and what did they pray for God give us some more of that stuff Give us some more boldness. 32 and 33, almost done. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither, neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. I love this boldness factor because boldness is the result of the Holy Spirit in your life. When the Holy Spirit is involved in your life, the result of it will be boldness. You're gonna have that. You say, well, I'm scared to this, I'm scared to that. Get a little dose of the Holy Ghost, baby. You won't be scared. I mean, when the Bible says, I'll put you in rooms you're not supposed to be in and I'll set you before kings and princes, you think you can walk up in there and be, not be bold? You better be bold and full of the Holy Ghost if God is going to put you in rooms you don't belong in. I need you to grab this. I need you to grab this. This tells me that there is a place that we can get to in God's presence where the devil actually gets tired of, of harassing you. In the natural, we know 
Have y'all ever heard of, of in the natural that there is what is called on, on a mountainside, there is the snake line. The part of the mountain that if you get that high, you won't run into any snakes. I'm saying to you and prophesying over you, it's time for you to go so high that no snake can come against you. No devil, no demon, no sickness, no tragedy, no setback, no lack. God wants to enlarge your territory and expand your borders, but you gotta start living above the snake line. Live above it. Come on, stand to your feet and give God a praise if you receive the word of God tonight. I know I preached a little bit all over the place, but we are gatekeepers. And we have as much of God as we want. We can have as much of God as we want. God wants to fill you to overflow. You say, well, what in the world? How do we, how do we end with a message like that? Well, I don't think we can just sit here with our hands and twiddle our thumbs. And I'm just going to make this one real simple. Um, worship team's going to come, and they're going to sing in just a second. But I think if, if you feel like this word is for you and there's some things God has put in your heart and maybe you, you were stirred tonight, I'm not going to try to, you know, rah, rah, rah to get you there. Because I have learned I can lead people to the water, but I can't make anybody drink. And I, I, it's not my job to. I can bring you to the point where it's here. It's available. You can have it. But you got to decide if you want it or not. So with that being said, as they get ready, you guys can get in place because I'm moving. You say, you know what, Pastor, I, I want to be a gatekeeper. I want to live in that overflow. I, I want what you preached. I, I would say let's, let's set aside some time tonight to tell God that. So if it's for you, I'm getting out of the way. Let's come to the altar, spend some time in the presence of God. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening today. If you'd like to support this ministry financially, you can go to BethesdaChurch.tv slash give. We'll catch you on the next episode, and we hope you have a great day.